So everybody got your Bible? Can we all put our hands on our Bibles or lift up your Bible if you would like to do that? Lord, we acknowledge that your word is inspired by you and that it's true. And we receive it today by faith to penetrate our lives. Lord, we receive the engrafted word that it will bear much fruit, all those areas of fruit. May they increase and expand in our lives, flow through our lives. And Lord, everything you want to say to us today, we say we are ready and eager to hear what the Spirit of God says. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Just want to mention that we're glad we have a table full of people from The Well, a church in Moody, Texas. Glad to have you all with us. Remember in Mark 16, verse 15, Jesus said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, he said, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So he commissioned his disciples and us as his current disciples to preach the gospel to every creature. To make disciples of all the nations. I'm going to build on that in a minute. If you'll turn with me to Luke 24, we're going to look at another commission Jesus gave. Similar, just reworded. Luke 24, we're going to read verses 46 to 49. Didn't you enjoy our other two brothers speaking this morning? Yeah, just two of my favorite preachers. All right, Luke 24, starting in verse 46. You know, he's already died, rose again from the dead. He opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. That's in verse 45. And then 46, he said to them, Thus it is written, thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. So there we see again the commission to preach repentance and remission of sins in his name to all the nations. He says in verse 48, And your witnesses of these things. 49, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. Okay, now let's go to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, as you know, Acts was written by Luke, and he picks up the same thought in verses 4 and 5. Acts 1 verse 4 says, Being assembled together with them, the disciples, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So the disciples had been commissioned to preach the gospel in all the nations, make disciples in every nation. But Jesus said, wait for the promise of the Father. Don't go without the power. Stay in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high, and then you can do what I've commanded you to do. So, of course, he had to give the commissions before he could leave and ascend back to the Father. So he plainly said, preach the gospel to every creature, make disciples of every nation, preach repentance or remission of sin in every nation, but don't go without the power. Wait until the promise of my Father is upon you. And then let's look at verse 8. Acts 1 verse 8. Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, these disciples were already saved. So he wasn't talking about salvation. They got saved in John chapter 20, verse 22. That's when they were hiding away. Jesus appeared to them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit, and he breathed on them, and they received the Holy Spirit at that point. So that's when the Holy Spirit moved in to their inner man. The Greek word dunamis is the word used for power here in verse 8. You will receive dunamis 
power, and it's the word that we get dynamite from. It means explosive, miraculous power, and it means sustaining power. I think most of the time we think in terms of the miraculous power, but sustaining power is also dunamis. That's the ability to have joy in the midst of a very trying circumstance. So the person of the Holy Spirit is a gift to us, like Reuben was sharing earlier. When he moves into our lives, he helps us understand the Word of God. He illumines it to us. He gives us insight and revelation into the Word. He convicts us of sin. He sensitizes our consciences. But the promise of the Father that Jesus told his disciples to wait for was not so much for them, a greater blessing for them. It was more to equip them, to anoint them, to serve others. It's the ability, the power, the anointing to preach the gospel to every creature, to make disciples in every nation. The Holy Spirit empowers, equips, and anoints believers to minister just as Jesus did. So the power of the Spirit in Jesus' life authorized him to preach the gospel. It authorized him to demonstrate the kingdom of God by healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons. Jesus Christ, get this in us, Jesus Christ is the prototype of the Spirit-filled, Spirit-empowered life. He is the model of what we are to be as Christians, little Christs, walking with the same anointing. So I want to say that again. Jesus Christ is the prototype of the Spirit-filled, Spirit-empowered life. Remember, he said, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. And in Luke 4, he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He sent me to set captives free and to open blind eyes. But notice the preposition. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Acts 1.8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So that's significant because the Holy Spirit comes in. He also comes upon The purpose of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was and is to empower the church for ministry. So let's look at when the Holy Spirit first came. That's in Acts chapter 2. They'd been waiting in the upper room for 10 days together, just waiting. They didn't even know what they were waiting for. Jesus said, don't go without the promise of my Father. Wait for the promise. So they're waiting, not knowing what that would look like. And in Acts 2, verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in their own language. They were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Then it names different people groups. We're going to jump down to verse 11. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. In the book of Acts, the empowering of the Holy Spirit is mentioned in five different ways. In some places, it says they were filled with the Spirit or they received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit fell on them. The Holy Spirit was poured out on them, and the Holy Spirit came upon them. So the book of Acts is really the acts of the apostles, but it's the acts of the Holy Spirit. Everything the Holy Spirit was doing in the early church, the early church needed to receive the same power Jesus had in order to do the same works that Jesus did. We're in that same position today. We need that. So in these five places in the book of Acts, three times when the Holy Spirit fell on them, they spoke in tongues. One time they spoke in tongues and they prophesied. And one time it says there was evidence, but it doesn't tell us what the evidence was. 
This speaking in tongues or a prayer language is, is a term I like to use. It's a common way the Holy Spirit expresses himself when he comes upon and empowers a believer. The empowering of the Spirit results in a greater boldness to witness, a release of greater joy, a baptism of love toward others. I had a friend in South Africa, and she said, when the Holy Spirit came on me in power, I suddenly felt like I loved everybody. I just loved everybody, overflowed with it, with love everywhere I went. I wanted to share Jesus with everybody because I just loved everybody. She said, before the Holy Spirit came on me, even though he'd been within me for many years, I never had that kind of love for people. So also, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us in power, he makes available the spiritual gifts in order to serve, remember, that the Holy Spirit empowers us to be able to serve others. It's kind of a baptism for service. So let's turn to the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, gifts of the Holy Spirit. Let's start in verse 1, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. He says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. So really, he, he could be saying that to us today. Concerning spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be ignorant. I want you to understand. Then he says in verse 4, There are diversities of gifts, but the same Holy Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. So notice it's for everyone's good. The same God, the same Holy Spirit that gives the the anointing, the ministries, the activities. And then we'll start out in in verse 8. Well, let me I'm not sure if I read verse 7. I'm going to read verse 7. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So that's what Mark was saying. It's for the profit of all. Some people have one gift. Some will have more than one gift. So he starts in verse 8. To one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. So as we go through verse by verse, I'm going to just define these quickly. Word of wisdom is the supernatural knowledge of what to do and how to do it. It can be described as instant insight as to how to resolve a situation. So again, it's the supernatural knowledge of what to do and how to do it. You just know. No one told you how. You didn't study how. You just know by the Spirit what you're to do or how you're to do it. That is a very helpful gift if you counsel people. Because the Holy Spirit will show you how to counsel, what to say next. And then the word of knowledge is knowing by the Spirit things that we would not know otherwise. It's God-given knowledge of facts about a person or a situation. God-given knowledge of facts about a person or situation, things that you would not know otherwise. Then it goes on in verse 9 to say, To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit. So the gift of faith is the supernatural ability to believe that God will do something without any doubt. You know that you know that you know that something is going to happen. You just know you have a gift of faith. There's, there is a measure God's given to each of us, a measure of faith. We read that in verse 3. But this is a gift of faith that, as some people say, you just know in your spirit God is going to do that. The gifts of healing refer to all kinds of supernatural healings. Uh, Physical healing is probably what most people are are most aware of, but there's also emotional healings. There are mental healings, which I, I have been praying for a lot because we have so many with mental illnesses now. We need gifts of mental illness, of mental healing to be released in the body. And then let's read on. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. 
So the fifth gift is working of miracles, and that's self-explanatory, the supernatural power to do what is naturally impossible. I had a niece that went on a mission trip to Mexico, and they had fixed a big pot of beans for the amount of people they expected, but people continued to come and continued to come and kept coming, and they kept dishing, and they fed hundreds of people out of that one pot of beans. So these are modern miracles. The Lord is still doing these kind of things today. They did not just happen in the book of Acts. So that's the working of miracles. The gift of prophecy is speaking under divine inspiration and giving a message from God. And I I heard someone recently say this. I, I really believe this is true, that if you can hear the voice of the Lord, you can prophesy. Because that's what a person prophesying is doing. They're hearing what the Lord is saying, and they're just speaking that out. You know, they may say, Barbara, I feel the Lord wants to say to you, and it's something they hear the Holy Spirit saying, and it comes out as a prophetic word. The gift of discerning of spirits enables us to discern what is of God's spirit, what is an evil spirit, or what is the human spirit. And regarding the evil spirits, there, it's the ability to discern which spirit is at work now so that you can cast it out. If you can expose the spirit either by its name or its manifestation, you can cast it out easier. So that's where this gift of discerning of spirits comes in. Also, this spirit, this gift reveals the plans of the enemy. He'll show you strategies of the enemy as you're praying. It will help protect you against deception. So this is a spirit... A, a gift of the Spirit we all need today. We need protection against the increase of deception in the earth. And then different kinds of tongues. This is speaking in a language unknown to the speaker. The language may exist today or it may be an ancient language. When God gives a message in a tongue to a gathering of believers, it must be interpreted so they understand what God is saying. So, for instance, right now, if Kathy Hunter felt the, the gift to speak out in an unknown tongue, loud enough for all of us, not just whispering under her breath as she's praying, but loud enough for all of us, then that must be interpreted. It would be out of order if it's not interpreted. So then the Lord would put the interpretation on someone else's heart, and they would speak that out, and that's the last gift we see here, the interpretation of tongues. It's interpreting the message given in tongues. The language is unknown to the one who interprets, just as it's unknown to the one who speaks. They're both messages from God, one in a tongue and one in the known language, and so the interpreter speaks the words or the message that the Holy Spirit gives him. I was in a church uh, when I was growing up. It was very common to have the word gifts, as we call them, prophecy, tongues, and interpretation. And in one of the the, uh, services, I want to say gatherings, since that's what we say here, in one of the services, someone spoke out in a foreign language. And uh, soon afterwards, someone else spoke out and interpreted what God was saying. And it sounded just like something God would say. I don't remember what it was, but, you know, we all could bear witness in our hearts. This is from the Lord. That The language was from the Lord, and the message was from the Lord. Well, there was a young man in the congregation that day that um, was a grad student. He was an atheist. He had come to church with his girlfriend, who was backslidden, and they had come from the town where they were staying, and, and so he came to church with her. He started getting very uncomfortable moving around, fidgeting, and as soon as the service was over, he ran over to the lady that had spoken out in tongues, and he said, where did you learn that language? That is an ancient language. There's only five people in the world that are studying that language, and I'm in that group. We are studying that ancient language, and you spoke it perfectly, perfect tense, perfect grammar. And she said, I don't know. I just spoke out in tongues as the Holy Spirit prompted me to. Then he went to the the man who had interpreted, and he said, where did you learn that language? And he said the same thing. You You said exactly what she said. How did you know that language? And he said, I didn't know the language. I just spoke out the message the Holy Spirit put on my heart. That is the gift of tongues and interpretation. And he got saved that morning. Gave his life to the Lord as a result. 
So we need the gifts of the Spirit. You know, it's not just to empower us to minister to one another, which part of that is. It's to minister within the body, but it's also to minister outside the body. You know, I've heard of so many stories of people with a word of knowledge just walk up to someone and say, does the name Samantha mean anything to you? And he changes color because that's who he's having an affair with. And she begins to talk about Jesus. He gives his life to the Lord. He repents. He breaks off the relationship. So the, and healing gifts are often used in evangelism. People with a gift of healing, they'll see someone that's in pain. They'll pray for them. They get healed. And then they lead them to faith in Jesus. So the gifts of the Spirit are for today. They were not just for the early church. Jesus is the prototype of what we need to be today, walking in the gifts of the Spirit. Will we all have all of them? Very few people have all the gifts because it says the Holy Spirit gives them as he wills. There's a scripture that says pursue the best gifts. What are the best gifts? Well, the best gifts are really the gifts that you need for what God has called you to do. If you work in the medical field, one of the best gifts would be a gift of healing, gift of faith. You know, if you're a counselor, one of the best gifts is discerning of spirits, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, gifts of healing. So that's kind of, uh, that was just on the side. Um, there's a couple of scriptures I'll remind you of. 2 Timothy 1.6 says, stir up the gift of God that is in you. And 1 Timothy 4.14 says, do not neglect the gift of God that's in you. And I know that God has given many of you gifts. You've been around a long time, and you've walked in the power of the Spirit for a long time. And I want to encourage you, if you have allowed your gift to die down, and you're not using the gifts of the Holy Spirit, stir them up. Don't neglect the gift of God within you, because you and I will be held accountable for how we use the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And instead of shrinking back and saying, well, I don't know how, and I'm afraid I'll make a mistake. You know, for years I prayed, Lord, don't give me the gift of prophecy because I'm afraid I'll make a mistake. Man, he really convicted me later on because he says the gift of prophecy is for comfort, exhortation, and edification. How dare you not want to do that? Of course, you're going to make mistakes because as you're learning, you make mistakes. But he said, people need a prophetic word. You need to pray for that. So I repented. Lord, please forgive me. I cancel all of those prayers. <laughs> and I ask you, Lord, give me the gift of prophecy. Release prophecy through me. And it says um, in 1 Corinthians 14, if you'll just flip over there, verse 1, it says, Pursue love, it follows, 1 Corinthians 13, and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. And in these days, this is a gift we need. We need it in the body. So you may be thinking, well, how can we use the gifts of the Spirit in a church as big as Highland? And that is hard. The gift of healing is being released by our elders at the back every Sunday morning. They pray for people for healing, and we hear testimony after testimony of people that are healed in our gatherings at the back on Sundays. The other gifts, maybe it's just easier in a smaller group in your CG, in your ABF, in a Bible study, in a prayer meeting, wherever you meet with a few believers and you feel the Holy Spirit is wanting you to stir up your gift and use your gift, use it. I, I especially think the CGs, our connection groups, should be where we are using the gifts of the Spirit. It's a safe place. We know each other, and we need to minister to each other, and then we minister outside that as we reach other people with the gospel using the gifts of the Spirit. Okay, let's read on in 1 Corinthians 14. Verse 2 says, He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke in tongues but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. So Paul's talking about how to use the gifts of the Spirit, and of course we want to use them where the church is edified. 
but he talks a fair amount about tongues. And this can be confusing if we think it is the gift of different kinds of tongues that we just read about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is not that gift. The gift of, in, of different kinds of tongues is a gift from God to the church, and it must be interpreted. But here he says in verse 2, He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. And so when we say prayer language of the Spirit or to pray in tongues, that is speaking in a language that we don't know in prayer or in praise. And this is what the disciples did when the, when the Holy Spirit first fell on them and they all began to speak in tongues. It was not something that had to be interpreted right then. They were praising God. Remember, they said, we're hearing them glorify God in all of our languages. So they were praising God in languages they didn't know. We pray in languages we don't know. It doesn't have to be interpreted. That's between us and God. So the difference is directional. How do you know which is which? The gift from God of different kinds of tongues to speak to the church comes from God. He initiates it, and we are the recipients. But when we pray in the Spirit, in a language we don't know, whether it's modern or an ancient language, it goes from us to God. So we initiate it. The Holy Spirit has already given us that language, but we choose to speak it out, and He hears it. He doesn't need interpretation. He knows all the languages, and we're speaking mysteries to Him. And it builds up our inner man. It says in Jude chapter 20, Keep yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So some people say, well, why do we have to speak in tongues? Why do we have to pray in tongues? We don't have to. We don't have to. We're saved without speaking in tongues. The Holy Spirit is within us. We're born again. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit, a promise that we're going to live forever with him. But it is a gift that God has considered worth making available to us. And any gift God considers worth making available and giving to us, we want to say, Father, I want that. I want all the gifts of the Spirit. I mean, we need to be greedy Christians, that we want every gift of the Spirit because the people around us need the ministry of the Holy Spirit that can come through us if we are submitted to Him and have been empowered by the Spirit. It's a blessing to pray in the Spirit. It's like using a power tool. The difference between using a hand saw and a power saw. Get the same work done, but it's a lot easier if you have a power tool. It strengthens our inner man to pray in the Spirit. It tunes us with the Spirit of God, where our thoughts and, and the intents of our hearts start getting synchronized with His. It helps us use the other gifts of the Spirit more, most easily. Praying in the Spirit doesn't come out of our minds. It's not words you think of. It comes out of our heart. It comes out kind of naturally as the Holy Spirit comes upon us in power. Look at verse 14 and 15 of 1 Corinthians 14. Paul says, If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the result then? I will pray with the Spirit. And I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. Both are important. We need to pray in our own languages, and the Lord must assume that we need to pray in the Spirit sometimes too because he gave that to us as a gift. When I, um, <clears throat> when I met Reuven... I was living, living in South Africa. I was a single missionary there. And I was working with Methodist churches. I was a Methodist youth pastor, and I was training youth leaders. And I was good friends with a number of Methodist pastors and youth leaders. And one pastor, uh, he and I were working together on some projects. And one day, there were four or five of us together. We we're all leaders in, in Methodism over there. And he said, you know, I hear people talk about the Holy Spirit. I, I know I'm born again, but I would like the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to speak in tongues, but I'd like the power of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so we said, well, you know, you don't have to speak in tongues, but often it is a sign. It is a manifestation. And, you know, it's a gift you're welcome to. He said, well, pray for me. We'll, we'll see if it happens. Well, you know, right there, there's too much unbelief to even pray. But... <laughs> 
we went ahead and prayed for him since he, he had asked. And, of course, he, did, he didn't speak in tongues or anything. Nothing noticeably happened to him. And afterward, he said, well, you know, I, I really don't think I need that. I can pray in English. He was highly intellectual. He said, I can pray in English, you know, till the cows come home. I don't really need a language to help me pray. And so we, we left that subject. We went on with the other things we were, we were working on. And about eight months later, he phoned me and asked if I would come speak at the confirmation camp for his church and a few other churches in his region. You know, Methodists, when people turn 16, they get confirmed. And so I said, yeah, I would come. What did he want me to speak about? And he said, well, I don't know that very many are saved. It'd be good if you could share the gospel with them. And then whatever's on your heart. So I said, can I teach you about the Holy Spirit? And he said, yeah, yeah, that'd be okay. I said, and if I teach on the power of the Holy Spirit, will you have people that can pray with me for all these students? And he said, yeah, yeah, I can, I can manage that. I can find somebody. So I said, okay. So I go there, and there was about 85 students. And the first session taught on salvation, and 80 of them came forward to get saved because they hadn't gotten saved yet. They were just church-going little kids. So they, 80 of them got saved. And the next session I taught on the person of the Holy Spirit, a lot of material like Reuben shared. And, and then the following session I taught on the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And I said, if you want the power of the Spirit in your life, why don't you come on up and, and we'll pray for you and we'll lay hands on you. Because often in the book of Acts they did lay hands on people when they prayed for them. So about the same 80 came forward, and, and Pierre, this pastor friend of mine, walked up, and he said, I'm going to pray with you. And I thought, oh, no, Mr. Unbelief is my partner here. <laughs> so I just said, okay, we'll trust the Lord. So we, I prayed a general prayer that they all repeated after me, and then I went by, and I just started praying quickly for them. Not didn't, you know, belabor it, but prayed quickly, and Pierre was praying quickly with me, and we just went down the line and prayed for all the young people. And I noticed he was praying in tongues. <laughs> so afterward, I said, Pierre, when did you start praying in tongues? He said, you know, after you all prayed for me that day, I, I, was, I was praying, and, and the Lord convicted me of my pride. And he said, the reason you didn't receive is because you are so proud of your intellect. And he said, I repented of my pride, asked the Lord to forgive me, and I said, God, I want everything you've got. I want every gift that you have made available. Would you please give me this gift? And he said, I just began to pray in tongues. I've been praying in tongues ever since. Notice a whole new dimension to my life, whole new dimension to my prayer life, whole new dimension to my ministry. So that is often a problem. Pride of intellect can keep a person from speaking in a language they don't know. It is not gibberish, although some people think it kind of sounds that way. Um, then there's the people that have pride because they do pray in tongues, and that puts off the others. That offends the people that don't speak in tongues. Someone came to me when I was a teenager and said, you know, in, in our church, we believe if you don't speak in tongues, you can't go to heaven. I said, well, that's not what the Bible says, you know. And so we want to line up all of our understanding and our truth in the Word of God. Um, but the Holy Spirit is freely giving his gifts to equip us and empower us for service. And any gift he gives, I believe, is worth our seeking after until we get it. Just keep seeking until you get it. Maybe some of you were prayed for years ago for the empowering of the Spirit, and you felt some changes in your life, but you actually never had a breakthrough into praying in a prayer language. Today may be your day. But if not today, I would say go home tonight, kneel by your bed, raise your hands, and begin to worship the Lord. And when English is no longer sufficient, you may break into another language. And I've, I've seen that and heard of that happening frequently. Turn with me to John chapter 7. John 7. Start in verse 37. It says, On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, 
Out of his heart, or his innermost being, will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Okay, flip over to chapter 4. Verse 14, Jesus had been speaking to the woman at the well. And he says in verse 13, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. Verse 14, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. This is a good definition of salvation. We drink of Jesus and there becomes a fountain of living water springing up inside of us that gives us the promise of everlasting life. But that's not the same as what Jesus said in chapter 7. He said in verse 38, He who believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So we see a distinction here. In salvation, there's a river. There, I mean, sorry, there's a fountain within that springs up to everlasting life. And when the Spirit empowers us, there is a river of living water that flows through us. Turn with me to Mark 16. Mark 16, verse 17. says, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. Let's start again. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. That is the normal Christian life. There are still demons today and they still need to be cast out of people. Deliverance should be normal for us because Jesus cast out demons and he told his disciples to cast out demons over and over. He empowered them to, he led them to, and we should still be casting out demons today. I think we're seeing more demonic activity now than has ever been seen in the earth. So we need to be able to cast out demons. I was counseling a lady last week and she said, does anyone in your church cast out demons? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, okay then, because that's what we need. That's what we need in our family. We need someone that can cast out some demons. We all need to be able to cast out demons. That's the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And then the second part there is they will speak with new tongues. So if the prayer language of the Spirit was the same as the gifts, different kinds of tongues, then there could not be places like this that says they will speak in tongues because the gifts of the Spirit are given out individually as the Holy Spirit wants to give them. Paul could not have said, I wish you all spoke in tongues because then he'd be saying, I wish you all had the same gift. We all have different gifts, but the prayer language of the Spirit is just a release of the Spirit after he's come upon us in power. Referring back to Acts 2, verse 4, it says, They spoke in tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. He gives the language. We use our mouth and our tongues to, to speak it out. I was saved when I was six, so I only have to wait six years before I can get angry at somebody. <laughs> but when I was nine, I had heard teaching on the Holy Spirit. And I wasn't really terribly interested until all of my little friends were being empowered by the Spirit and were speaking in tongues. And I thought, well, if they can get it, I should be able to get it. I don't want to be left out. I, if God's handing out gifts, you know, I want that too. And so at one point, I was prayed for by my father and by a, a lady in our church. I was kneeling at a chair, and they kind of had their hands on me, and they prayed a prayer in English, and then they both began to pray in tongues. And um, I didn't do a thing. I just knelt there. I didn't feel anything. Didn't get any words. Didn't speak out any language. Nothing happened. No emotion. Nothing. And after a while, they kind of said, well, we'll pray for you again sometime if you want to be prayed for again. And I was embarrassed because I thought, it must be something wrong with me that the Lord don't want to give me this. 
you know, because I hear everyone around me in, in our church, so many prayed in the Spirit, sang in the Spirit, sang interpretations. I thought, I don't want to be left out, but obviously I'm being left out. And so I, I put it on the shelf for a while, but about nine months later, I asked again, would you pray for me again? I want the power of the Spirit in my life. I want to see, I want the same gifts I see other people have. And so, same scenario, kneeling by a chair, dad praying, lady praying with him. And I didn't, again, feel anything, didn't hear anything, and I thought, oh, here we go again. I'm not going to get anything again. I thought, well, just so that we can cut this short, I'll go ahead and mimic my dad's prayer language, and they'll think I have it. And then they'll quit praying, and, and the embarrassment will be over for the day, you know. So as soon as I open my mouth and begin to mimic his prayer language, I got my own prayer language. And mine didn't sound anything like his. And it just flowed. It was just fluent. So here I was, a little nine-year-old, praying in tongues and praising God in tongues. But it was a matter of using my mouth, my tongue, my lips. I, I didn't know I had to do that. I thought he would grab my mouth and make me speak. You know, you're always afraid to go to H-E-B in case he makes you do that while you're in H-E-B, right? But he, he, that's, not, he, that's not his way. He's a gentleman. So <laughs> he is. The Holy Spirit's a wonderful gentleman. So how do we receive the power of the Spirit? There, there are a few prerequisites that help because there are things that hinder the Holy Spirit. And the first one Jesus gave in John 7, 37, when he said, if anyone's thirsty, come to me and drink. We need to want more of the Lord. We need to be aware that we need the power of the Spirit in our lives. We want to minister to other people. And so we're thirsty. We're hungry. We cry out for more. And then the second prerequisite is to forgive people that have hurt you or offended you. And the, the reason for that is because unforgiveness hinders us from receiving anything from God. So you're praying for healing? Boy, you better forgive people because that'll keep your healing from being manifested. Whatever you want to receive from God, you need to make sure that unforgiveness and bitterness has no place in your life. So the same with the power of the Spirit. Thirdly, need to confess any known sin to the Lord. Any sin that you really enjoy, that can prevent you from receiving the empowering of the Spirit. And especially if you've been involved in the occult. If you've read occultic books, you've watched dark movies, you've had your horoscope read, you've looked at a crystal ball, things like that. Anything, whether you did it playfully or really, you are tampering in the enemy's territory, and that can prevent you from receiving the Holy Spirit. Okay? The Holy Spirit lives in, within you, but it prevents you from being empowered by the Holy Spirit if you have not repented of and renounced your involvement in the occult. And renounce is basically you just use the words, I repent of my involvement in the occult, and I renounce it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I'm so sorry. I never should have put my foot in the area of darkness. And then lastly, we ask for the gift. You just ask. Ask and keep on asking, and you'll receive. We receive it by faith. We receive it with thanksgiving. Luke 11:13. Jesus said, If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Holy Spirit give? Will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So what can we expect when the Holy Spirit comes upon us in power? You may feel emotions. Um, some people cry because often the Holy Spirit starts healing some inner wounds. Uh, Reuben and I were praying with some students in, in South Africa at a, at a Bible school, and we had taught on the Holy Spirit, and we offered to pray with anyone who wanted prayer. And one lady just got in a fetal position and sobbed and sobbed. And then she began to wail loudly. You know, at that point, you're saying, Holy Spirit, help me. Well, you know, what do I do? And I felt like he just said, just, you know, she is, I am healing some deep inner wounds. Just put your hand on her and pray that that will be expedited and then just pray for a full release. And so she cried Then she stopped crying and she suddenly threw her hands back, started laughing and began to speak in tongues. And just joy came all over her. And I found out later that she had a, a black parent and a white parent. And she had been shunned all of her life. She didn't fit in anywhere. She was rejected by society and by 
her own families, and she carried so much rejection, and that's what the Lord was healing as she was crying, and then he set her free, and she broke out with joy. They said they'd never seen her smile or be happy at all on campus. Now she had just broken out in joy and with a prayer language of the Spirit. So you may feel some emotions. You might feel waves of love. You might feel the power of the Spirit so strongly that you need to sit down. Um, you might speak in tongues. You might prophesy. You might do both. I love it when people prophesy because the Holy Spirit just comes upon them and they begin to speak what the Lord's given them. So tongues is wonderful, but you don't know what's going on. But prophecy, then, you know, you can see why Paul said prophecy is actually better because then you know what's going on. But we need both. And they often did get both before. So um, I would say expect to receive anything the Lord wants to give you and desire to receive. Don't, don't have it in my mind, well, what I have of Jesus is enough. I don't need anything more. You know, we all need more. I've been asking the Lord all morning, I need more. I need more power of the Holy Spirit in my life, and I for sure need more fruit of the Holy Spirit in my life. So we need him to come upon us in power. Um, and this, some of you may be at this place where you love Jesus, you've walked with him many years, and, but you do realize that you need more power in your life, and you want that. You want the Holy Spirit to come upon you in power. And others of you may say, well, I, I have had that experience. I've walked in a measure of power of the Holy Spirit. I've had the gifts of the Spirit in operation through me, but now I, I haven't in a long time. You know, maybe you've become complacent or dry or tired, or you just have not been walking in the power of the Spirit anymore. But he wants to stir that up, stir up the gift of God that is within you. And there is such a thing as being refilled with the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 5, 18, he says, be filled with the Spirit. But in the Greek, it is be being filled, be continually filled with the Spirit, be filled over and over again. And sometimes it's not sin that uh, drains the power of the Spirit in our life. Sometimes it's service, it's teaching. It's ministering, it's counseling, it's laying hands on the sick and praying for them. And you feel kind of like Jesus when he said, I feel virtue's gone out of me. You know, who touched me? I feel virtue's gone out of me. And many of you are involved in different ministries. And, you know, as you give out of the Holy Spirit in your life, you're giving the word, you're giving Jesus. By the end of the day, you may be drained. What you don't need to do is sit in front of the TV and drink in the spirit of the world. What you do need to do is get back in the presence of God and say, fill me again. Holy Spirit, fill me again. Overflow through me. Empower me again. Every vacancy, every empty place, because we leak. I like that term. We leak the Holy Spirit as we walk through the day. And we need to be refilled with the Spirit of God. And maybe that's where you are today. You want to be refilled with the Holy Spirit. And we don't want to just teach on the Holy Spirit. We do want to have a time of prayer. And so I'm going to wrap up. I just want to remind you of a few highlights of things in Acts. In Acts 2 verse 4, it said, They spoke in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. But if you'll go back to Acts 2, I want to highlight another couple of verses that are less familiar. When they all began to say, what is happening here? What's going on? Peter, remember, he rose up and he began to preach. And he starts out in verse 16. Of Acts 2, he said, This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. So Peter pointed back to Scripture and he said, This is what the prophet spoke of. That is what is happening now. And that has continued to happen. I heard a preacher say just last week, he said, The fastest growing segment in the body of Christ today is the segment of, of spirit-filled believers that are praying in tongues. That's the fastest growing segment. And I think it's because the Lord knows how much we need that. We need all the gifts, right? Okay, look at verse 33. Peter was still preaching and he's speaking of Jesus. He said, therefore being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. There's the phrase we saw in Luke 24 and in Acts 1. 
the promise of the Father, he poured out this which you now see in here. Man, don't you want to see that happening in Waco? The Lord pouring out His Holy Spirit over Waco. And then what happened after that is 3,000 were saved. Then the beginning of Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are going to the temple. They healed a lame man on the way. He jumps up and he goes walking and leaping and praising God into the temple with Peter and John. They get in trouble by the temple officials who arrest them, hold them overnight. And if we start in verse chapter 4, they're arrested, you see in verse 3, verse 8, Peter again, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and people and elders of Israel, and he began to share the gospel again. And then in verse 23, they released them. They go back to their companions, and they reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. Then their companions, the other apostles, began to pray with them. And we, one, I just want to read part of the prayer here at the end. Verse 29, Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may preach your word. They had been preaching with boldness, but now they're praying for boldness, you know, because they had leaked. They had given out of the Spirit of God. Now they needed fresh boldness again. Verse 30, he said, uh, By stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. They were all filled with the Spirit in Acts 2. The Holy Spirit came upon them in Acts 2. But now in Acts 4, they're all filled with the Holy Spirit again, and they spoke with boldness. Man, don't you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit again? Don't you want every day that you jump out of bed and you say, Good morning, Holy Spirit, please fill me today and empower me for everything I'm going to face. Everything that comes across my path, every needy person, every hurting person, Lord, would you overflow through me rivers of living water to be able to minister effectively by the power of your Spirit today. Let's not be mediocre Christians that are weak and are fleshly. Let's be filled with the Spirit of God. Let's be empowered by the Spirit of God. Let's manifest the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Let's use the gifts of the Spirit He's given us, and let's rise up and be the church. This can be the church's finest hour as evil grows and culminates into the worst that we've ever seen, but the church of God arises with the glory of God upon her. That's what we need, the glory of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to pray. Uh, Reuven or Mark, would you like to make a comment? Or shall we just pray? Let's pray. I mean, don't you want to just pray? Let's pray. I tell you what, let's do. Um, you've been sitting. I think it'd be good to stand if you can stand, unless that's not good for your body. If, if that's the case, go ahead and stay seated. Can you just raise your hands? Because that's, uh, it's almost like a funnel, but it's also a sign of surrender. You know, re being empowered by the Spirit is not getting more of the Holy Spirit. It's giving more of ourselves to Him. It's surrendering more fully to Him. So... Um, can I lead you in a quick prayer where we cover these four points? And then we're, I'm just going to pray. And y'all just pray. And, and in your heart, just say, man, Holy Spirit, I want more. I, I, want, I want to be empowered. Okay, so Lord, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. We are so grateful to belong to you. So grateful. Thank you that we are born again of the Spirit of God. And we've been adopted by the Father, and we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, just agree in your own heart, Holy Spirit, would you today come upon us, even as you came upon the apostles and the disciples in the upper room? Would you come upon us, even like tongues of fire, and with a rushing mighty wind, would you fill this room with your presence and with your power Lord, we are hungry for you. Jesus, you cried out. You said, if anyone's hungry, if anyone's thirsty, come to me and drink. We're coming thirsty today. We want so much more. We need so much more. We're crying out for that. And so, Lord, we forgive anyone who has offended us, who's hurt us or disappointed us. 
from minor offenses to major offenses of betrayal and abandonment and abuse. Lord, we forgive them all because you have forgiven us. And that same mercy that you've given us, Lord, we extend to the other people. We thank you that your blood is enough for our sin and it's enough for their sin. And so we forgive them today. And we ask you to uproot bitterness out of our hearts. Uproot that bitterness, I pray in Jesus' name. And Lord, we confess to you uh, our areas of sin, just in your own heart, confess any known sin before the Lord. Holy Spirit, would you convict us of what we need to confess to the Father? Jesus, would you take your blood and wash over us again? Would you wash our spirits, our souls, and our bodies and cleanse us from sin? Everything that defiles, any iniquitous pattern that we've walked in, would you wash our DNA and cleanse that out of our system? Lord, those of us that have, have tampered with the occult, today we say we're sorry and we repent of it in the name of Jesus and we renounce the devil, and all of his works in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we ask for this gift. Lord, would you, Holy Spirit, come upon us? Would you empower us? Would you release your gifts in us and through us so that we can be just like Jesus, the prototype of the Spirit-filled believer. We want to also walk like Jesus. We want to share the gospel. We want to be anointed to heal the sick and to cast out demons and to set captives free. Jesus, we need this power in our life. So I pray that the power of the Spirit would come upon every one of us and be released through us in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, would you forgive us when we've resisted gifts that you wanted to give us? Today, we don't resist anymore. Whatever you think is good enough for us to have, we want that. We want all the gifts of the Spirit. We need help in our prayer lives. We need help in our praise lives. And so I ask, Lord, would you gift us with a prayer language? And Lord, those of us that have had gifts that we have not been using, would you forgive us today? We stir up those gifts. We ask you to forgive us for neglecting the gifts. And we stir them up to use them again. I pray for release of gifts of healing in the name of Jesus. I pray for release of prophetic gifts a release of different kinds of tongues, an interpretation of tongues. I pray for release of miracles, a, a release of word of knowledge and word of wisdom and gifts of faith in the name of Jesus. May they be stirred up within each of us. Just continue to praise the Lord. Just praise the Lord. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. We bless your name, and, and, and just let the Holy Spirit be released and begin to pray in another language. If it's right there for you, go ahead and, and speak it out. That'll give faith to the people around you. Just go ahead and speak it out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So some of us are just going to walk around and gently uh, touch you as we pray for a release of these gifts. Sit down as you need to. Kneel if you would like to. Continue to, to seek the Lord for this. Mark and Reuben, if you just start laying hands on a few people. You know, just remaining in an attitude of worship and prayer, just a couple of things the Lord dropped in my, my spirit. Um, you know, Scripture says that, uh, that, it, that the gifts are distributed as He desires. And sometimes we get guilty of gift envy. Well, why didn't I get that one? She got that or he got that. And... Uh, God doesn't want us to be envious of somebody else's gift. 
God wants to operate, wants us to operate in the gift that he has given to us. And the reason I know that is because I suffered from gift envy for a lot, a lot of different times. I've suffered from gift envy. So just, uh, number one, don't, don't fall prey to gift envy. And then the other word I have is, is that uh, if you long for something and, it, and, and for whatever reason it hasn't been released in your life, don't allow the enemy to come in and make you feel less than. Well, I wanted this, and I didn't get it. I got this, but I didn't get this. You know, the Lord's word tells us to earnestly desire these gifts. And when we do earnestly desire, and yet it is not our conjuring that does anything. It is the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And so my word would simply be keep pursuing. Keep pursuing. And, uh, and be, be content in, in the gifting that God has granted to you. Continue to avail yourself uh, and, 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 and check your heart and don't, don't become complacent. There's a difference in contentment and complacency. Don't become complacent in where God you know, has you. Be content, but continue to press in and seek and say, God, I'm, I'm ready. I'll do a check and I'll do, I'll, I'll, I want the full fruit. I want the full gifts. I want everything that you have. Don't get upset if it doesn't all come at once. Continue to put yourself before the Lord. So those were the two things that I had. Don't, don't fall prey to gift envy, and don't feel less than if you were desiring this and you didn't get it, and somebody else got it, somebody else got the gift you wanted, and therefore you feel less than. Don't, do not fall prey to that, because the enemy does that so much. He comes in and makes you feel less than because... You got this. And the, I guess the, con, the the flip side of that was if you got something that somebody else didn't get, don't feel superior. Watch pride. Watch pride. I think it's so beautiful how Mark shared so much about the fruit of the Spirit, of how it's already, already in us. And I think in our personal prayer lives in regards to the, the fruit of the Spirit is to continually pray for a greater maturing and release of it because it's already there. It's already here. So pray for a release of every element of all the nine fruits of the Spirit. But when it comes to the power gifts, pray for a reception of them. Be open to receive. Be open to step out in faith. Um, it may come when we least expect it. Ask that person, does the name so-and-so mean anything to you? It might be someone in, in an HEB line and just say, is there something that I can pray for you? Uh, as you're waiting and asking the checker in, in the store, just ask for a release of the fruit and a reception of the power that I'll be able to walk in whatever power he gives me with the gift that he so designs for this particular moment. But one is letting it out, and the other one is receiving it in. And I think if we strike the perfect balance of being completely open to both giving and receiving from God, that's the holy rhythm of the kingdom. It's always receiving and then giving. So, Lord, I want to just thank you for these precious saints gathered here today. Lord, I pray that we would find that perfect rhythm of receiving and giving. Lord, thank you for all of the fruit of your Holy Spirit that is within us. And Lord, there have been areas where we've been resistant. And we may have even thought, well, long-suffering, that, that fruit of the Spirit, I really don't have that. Yes, we do. It's that it's not been germinated properly. It's that we haven't given it the opportunity to grow. And today, Father, we just say that by your Spirit, we will have a greater release of your fruits and a greater reception of your gifts. That, Lord, we would be equipped for every good work that you would put in front of us. So, Lord, again, we just thank you for a wonderful day of being in the house of the Lord. Thank you that you didn't disrupt us by 
having to go to the chapel because of a lack of air conditioning, <laughs> you had the air turned back on. That's a little thing, but I see it as a, a special thing, a little nishika mishamayim, a kiss from heaven. And thank you, Lord, that your blessing is upon us. We pray that as we leave this place today, everywhere we'd go, we'd have a fresh breath of the Spirit saying, this is the way, walk in it. Thank you, Lord. May Jesus be glorified to the full in each of our lives. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, have a great rest of the weekend. And uh, this is only Saturday. Oh, let me just say this. I was asked by a couple of people, and I know that there are a, a number that had expressed beforehand, and asked, "Will these are these sessions going to be recorded? Yes, they have been. And all four of them, Mark's initial opening about telling about the, uh, uh, the church's foundational belief in regards to Holy Spirit, that, and then all three of the messages, uh, and praise the Lord for good old Evan. Evan Grimes back here, the saint in the last row, who is being able to record all three. They'll be on the Highland website. Probably give us uh, to maybe the end of next week. They should probably all be up. Uh, and it'll be on the Senior Adult page, and it'll be on probably Holy Spirit Seminar. So you'll be able to uh, either download or listen to them uh, right in your own home, and you can share with others about that too. Uh, so that's um, the website is uh, hbcwaco.org and uh, just go to the senior adult page and then you'll see it. Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. In all your going out and all your coming in until that day when Jesus is lifted up and glorified. Amen. Lord bless you.